0: Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. You know, when you get born again, I mean, there's a radical change that happens. On the inside, you're 100% made righteous, you're 100% made brand new. You're a new creature in Christ, that says in 2 Corinthians 5 17. And you know what? You're not going to get any more new when you get to heaven. You're not gonna walk through some scanner or something and go, all of a sudden I'm new. I'm righteous. Ha! No, you've been made righteous. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And it's not a matter of what you and I do that makes us righteous. It's a matter of what we've received. When we receive the free gift of salvation. You see, God did all the work for us. Jesus did the work. He 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 paid the price so you and I could enjoy the benefit. Isn't that good to know? So, you know, and all the things that I'm talking about in this series, uh, you know, I'm not talking about that you're going to get any more righteous or any more new creationized on the inside. But what I am talking about in this series, which we call the real you, is allowing the real you to have dominance in your life. You know, to the, allowing the real you to rise up big and, you know, have control in your life. You know, sometimes people get controlled by all kinds of things out here. Sometimes people get controlled by, by circumstances in life. Sometimes people get controlled by how they think in life. Sometimes people get controlled by impulses of their flesh. But what we're striving for, and I mean that in a good way, it means that what I mean is our target is, what we're shooting at is to allow the real person on the inside of us to be the one that's, that's calling the shots, you know? Hallelujah. So, you know, did you know you're a spirit being? And that's not weird. You know, man, when I first got saved and I, I heard some of this, all, you know, about being a spirit and all that, I thought, wow, really, the Bible talks about that stuff? You know, it was new to me. Was it ever new to you? I'm telling you, I didn't understand new creation stuff and all that. But you know what, the real you, the Bible is so clear, and it's a truth, it's a revelation that will open things up for you in the Bible, is to find out that you're a spirit, that you're made in the image of God, you know, that, that when God deals with us, He deals from the inside. When God speaks to us, He speaks to our hearts, you know, He, he, he conveys messages, you know, in our spirit. And what we're talking about, i got a couple verses I'm, I'm trying to get to here, is, 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 is we're talking about being strong spiritually. We're talking about, you know, that people can be weak and people can be strong in the natural. Did you know that that can be true spiritually, that, that, that you know, you can be weak or you can be strong? And again, your spirit, man, it isn't the problem with our spirits because they're full of life. The problem is, is we've tried to keep them stifled sometimes. We haven't allowed us to really be, be who we are. You know, don't you, you know, isn't that what the world sometimes we, you know, as a a sinner, before I was born again, I would be so judgmental to Christians. I mean, no none of you guys probably ever did like that, you know. But I would just judge Christians. And, you know, here's the word that I would use is hypocrites. Hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? A hypocrite is someone who is not true to who they really are. I don't want to be a hypocrite. You don't want to be a hypocrite. And, and really what we want to do is we want to be the people that God has made us on the inside. And so in this series, we're talking about, you know, how to not be a hypocrite. <laughs> how to be real. How to tap in to the real person. Glory to God. Let's look at some scriptures here. Proverbs 18 and verse 14 has been one that, that we've been bouncing off of. Here, and and, and it says in the King James, it says the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, and a wounded spirit who can bear. The Amplified Bible says the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak, broken spirit who can raise up or bear? Someone might say, well, I wish Pastor Paul would just talk about how to get my needs met. I wish he'd talk about some practical things like how to pay my bills, how to, how to you know, get my body healed. Well, good news for you. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Because when you deal with this, you're affecting every other area of life. The writer here in Proverbs says that if a person has a strong spirit, even though they've got all kinds of you know, bombardment from the enemy, bodily pain, trouble, calamities happening out there, if they've got a strong spirit, they'll be sustained. That means they'll be carried through to the other side. Does that just mean they're going to suffer longer? Sustained. Maybe, maybe we harp on that note. You know, I hit an off key. I hit a B-flat when it was supposed to be a C-sharp. Is there a C-sharp? Okay, yeah. Anyway, and, 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 and sustain means I held that bad note down. Out. No, it means that you, the real you, are going to be strong. You're going to be unmoved by these onslaught of, you know, demonic activity coming against you. And you're going to come through to the other side, and you're preserved. You're sustained. That's what we're talking about. Is that okay? All right, Proverbs 4:20. Let's look at that. Proverbs four and 20 He says, "My son, attend to my words, incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them. Keep what? Keep my words in the midst of your heart." For their life to those that find them, and health to all their flesh. I like the footnote of my study Bible. It says there where it says health to all their flesh. It says medicine to all their flesh. God's word, you know, taken into our our, our life is medicine for all our flesh. What kind of flesh? Well, all kind of flesh, you know. Whether it be, you know, headache flesh flu flesh, cancer flesh, you know, whatever the thing with the flesh might be, God's word received in your heart is medicine for all flesh, medicine for all flesh. You know, medicine is great, but as great as it is, it has to be taken according to the directions, isn't it? One thing is, is medicine, this just reading that one scripture, We know this for it to work, it has to get in our heart. Does medicine do good if I if I go and buy some Ibu what do they call those things? Ibuprofen? I think they say ibuprofen, but they're spelled ibuprofen? Figure that one. Anyway, but but if I take that stuff, you know, it might be triple strength, you know, and I, I grab it and I go, Wow, this is the stuff. This stuff is supposed to take care of muscular aches and pains. And I go grab it and, you know, I, whatever it looks like, I get it out. I think, wow, I think I'm, you know, I got a headache. I'm gonna just kind of crush it up and I rub it on my forehead. And I, I go away and maybe it was yellow to begin with. So I walk around and I've got a yellow blot on my forehead now. And, and I've got triple strength ibuprofen working on my head, right where it hurt. Right where it hurt. Isn't that where you should put it? Right where it hurt. Is that going to work? It's not going to work, is it? Why? Was it bad, bad material, bad ibuprofen? Should I have gotten purple ibuprofen instead of the yellow, triple strength, maybe quadruple strength? I don't know. Didn't even seem to phase me, Dana. What's going on, huh? Can you fix my hair again, Dana? I got it all over my hair, you know, that's what I'd say. No, because medicine, is good as it is, it has to be taken according to the directions. And just if I go nowhere else in this verse, we, we find this, that, that this medicine, this word, has to get in our heart. Yeah. Then in verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart you know, are the issues of life. You see, everything comes out of your heart. All that we do in this life, all that we interact with, you know, we're to be directed from the inside. Hallelujah. You guys see that? Hallelujah. So the real you is your spirit. The real you is your heart. You know, last week we talked about meditating in the Word. And and I honestly, I was going to go on to a different aspect this morning this week, but I just kind of struggled with it all week. Like, I was going to go somewhere, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? And you felt like, you know, you were sleeping with your socks on. You know? You know what it's like when you sleep with your, your toes are all crunched up, and they can't breathe. Did you know that? When you got socks on your feet at night, your feet can't breathe properly. And then you wake up in the morning, and man, you talk about morning breath. Whoa, bad, bad, bad. And and, and and that's how i felt and i thought well you know i just didn't, i'm going to just kind of stay in this arena for a little longer because i felt like we needed to okay you know but 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 here's the deal your spirit is your re, the real you and just like yours and my physical body needs to eat you know food food. You know, I needs to eat food. Sometimes I eat the same thing every day. I've been logging my diet for the last couple months just to kind of see what I eat. And you would not believe how boring I am. <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, I type it in this little thing, you know, so I keep a track of it. And every morning I get up, oatmeal,s berries, cherries, and banana <laughs> mixed together. Yeah. Little Kia or whatever those kind of seeds are on them. And something something whatever chia yeah chia yeah they grow hair and all these things and <laughs> i do it every day you know and i get up you know what i look forward to it every day you know dane and i will go on a walk and you know i'm the oatmeal maker in the house so i usually kind of stir the oatmeal up you know i know how I ex- exactly how many seconds it takes and whip it together i throw it out and then we go on our, i leave it there and we go on our walk you know and And man, by the time we're turning the last corner, I am like so looking forward to getting home and eating my oatmeal, cherries, berries, and bananas every day because my body wants it. Well, you know what? My spirit has needs. My spirit needs to be fed. My spirit doesn't eat oatmeal,s berries, cherries, and bananas, but my spirit eats the Word of God. It eats this as food for my spirit. You know, however you've looked at the Word... You know, I always see it, that it's spiritual nutrition, okay? It's spiritual nutrition. F.F. Bosworth wrote this book called Christ the Healer, which, you know, if you've been here for 10 years, you've heard me tell you to read that book over and over. Dana heard me for 10 years before she finally read the book. And then after like 10 years of hearing me preach and say, you should read this book. She says, Paul, I think I'm going to read that book. She read it and she said this, she says, I'm going to take six months if it has to. I'm going to, you know, usually you read a book faster than that. But she said, I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to just read it and I'm going to read it slow and I'm going to get it. I remember one day she called me up at work. This was years ago, years ago, 20 years ago or more. And and, uh, she called me up at work all excited. And she says, Paul, did you know I'm healed no matter what I feel like? I said, yeah, I know that, Dana. She goes, no, you don't get it. I'm healed no matter what I feel like. I'm like, you know what? She got it. She got it. She got tested on it real quickly, but she got it, and she didn't let go of it. You know what? Anyway, where was I going with that? Oh, Bosworth. He said this in his book, and and I think, I don't know what chapter, somewhere, I think maybe chapter four or something, but... He said this. He says that sometimes people come to his meetings wanting to be healed. And if you read, you know, he was used back in the healing revivals, you know, Gordon Lindsay's days and all that. And he was tremendously used by God. He had big crowds for the day. 10,000 people would come and hear F.F. Bosworth preach because he had an anointing on him for people to be healed. And that was his ministry. He'd teach people to be healed. And that's what Christ the Healer is. Is a compilation of his sermons on healing. And, and he says people would come seeking healing, and he says this about him. He says they'd feed their bodies three hot meals a day and their spirits one cold snack a week and, and wonder why they didn't get healed, okay? Wonder why they didn't walk in victory. Wonder why they got tossed to and fro by the events of the day and the, the world system. Well, you know what? This is a day for us to be strong, unshakable, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And one way we do that is by feeding our spirit, giving ourselves the spiritual nutrition needed for for daily living. And and, um, I'm going to blast through these a couple scriptures here, maybe two. <laughs> but you know, you may not get them on the screen, but you can jot these down. It says in 1 Peter 2:2, 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, why is that? That you may grow thereby. He said, even as a newborn babe, there's a desire in you. How many can attest to that? When you got born again, you just, there was something in you that you didn't have before, and you wanted to read the Bible. I mean, I had a Bible before I was saved, and it was full of dust. Kept it on the TV, atop of the TV of all places. I don't know why, but I kept it there, and, you know, it was full of dust. But I got saved. I got born again, and I had this desire in me to pick up the Bible and read it. You know, and Peter says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that they can grow thereby. You know, even the milk of the word will cause you to grow to grow spiritually, to grow your inner man to become strong. In Job 23, verse 12, is an interesting verse. He says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more necessary than my food. Huh. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more, this is what it says, more than my necessary food. Job said this, you know, Job, man, he went through some trials, didn't he? My goodness. You know, you don't have to go through the same trials that Job did to come to this conclusion that Job was having here, okay? You can look at the word, you know, there's different ways to learn. You can learn experience is not always the best teacher, Sometimes we can learn from the experience of others and, and not have to go through what they did to get to that point. Is that true? Job said, though, but sometimes when you're going through things, it'll cause you to say, hey, what's going on here? I, I've read people's, you know, I like to read, you know, what people's testimonies and things. And, and I remember reading this one guy, Saying that, that, you know, as a Christian, he didn't believe in divine healing. But then he got deathly sick. And he said, I sought out everybody that taught on divine healing that I could. Isn't that something? Sometimes the terrible circumstances that you're in, the storm that you're in, will cause you to rise up and say, Hey, what's the truth? Job here said, I've come to this conclusion. I I esteem those words more necessary than the food I need for my body. Now, what I like about that is it presents the attitude that we need to cultivate as believers. We need to esteem the word in such a high place that we, we call it more necessary than our food. man. It's come to a place where the word is higher than Chipotle. (laughs) Wow. Can you believe I said that, Kara? Anyway, (laughs) let me read you this one. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night, And he'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth fruit in his season, and his leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Hallelujah. God's word, you know, has an impact on our life. Glory to God. Well, you know, I want to spend a little time this morning just talking about something called revelation, okay? Because, you know, as we're fighting the fight of faith, as we're... We're, we're, we're shooting to grow as Christians and stand strong in the midst of a storm. I, I want to tell you this morning that it's the revelation in God's word that enables you and I to do this, okay? Revelation in God's word. And, and you know, Jesus, when he was here on the earth, there's a, there's a great passage of scripture. I might just read it, Matthew 16 here. In verse 13, Matthew 16, 13 it says, Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples and said, Whom do men say the son of, I, the son of man, am? And the, the, the disciples, they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elias, and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Well, he, you know, he said unto them, but who do you say that I am? You know, this is what everybody else is saying that I am, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter He rose up, and he answered and said, You art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And that I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build the church. I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So here in the midst of this little family gathering, you know, they're having themselves what I call a pow-wow, you know. Do you guys do that in a family? Have pow-wows where you sit around? Jesus is having a pow-wow with the boys, and he says, So tell me, guys, who do men say that I am? They offered him some feedback. Then he looks at him and asks the real question. He says, Who do you say? And Peter rises up with a statement that Jesus has to look at him and say, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. My Father revealed that to you. And what I'm saying today is there, there's some things in life that we flesh and blood is not going to cut it for us. Flesh and blood is not going to reveal. Some things that we need in life can only be given right from heaven, right from the Father. And Jesus went on to tell Peter, he says, Peter, I'm telling you this, it's on this rock that I'm building the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It wasn't Peter that Jesus was building the church on, but it was revelation knowledge. That's what the church is built on. It's that wow moment. You know, I got born again. I went, this was my one. You know, I went, wow, God loves me. God lo- Even though I've been a stinker, God loves me. That was my wow, you know. And I, I've never... Stra- I always hold that, hold that in my heart. I, that was a revelation to me. You know, as you go through life and, and God speaks words to your heart, that's what you stand on and the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. These are the words. Brother Copeland for years has said this statement and I love it. He says one word from God will change your life. One word from God, will change your life. One word from heaven, will get you through the battle you're in. One word from God, will get you through to the other side. Sometimes we get so perplexed with life, how am I going to do this, and do that, and they said this, and this was said, and da 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 da. One word from God, will change your life. A word from heaven will get in you, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Ha! Wow! Woo! All right, look at Acts for a minute, verse 27. Now, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm coming to Acts 27. But, you know, I find that in Paul's writings, and, and you know, a and, and classic one would be in Ephesians chapter 1, you know, in, in around verse 15 through the end of the chapter. Another one in chapter 3. And then in Colossians he says this, he prays this. In Philippians he prays this. And one thread I find through the things that Paul prayed for the church when he was here on the earth, you know, is he prayed this that they'd have revelation. He prayed that the eyes of the church, he prayed that, uh, that our eyes would be open, that we'd see some things. See what? See some things in the Word. See some things from heaven in in God's word. So over in Acts um, 27, I want to tell you this. Can I say this today? All right. I'm going to do it. Amber said I could. All right. (laughs) It's not just the written word of God that will see you through the storm. But it's the word that God speaks to you. It's the rhema word that will see you through the storm. Thank God for the written word. You know, I'm not knocking that in any way. But just the written word is not enough. It's got to be a revelation word, a rhema word. I'll get into that. In Acts 27, I think I'm going to tell you this. In the first section, verses 13 through 20, it starts off, you know, Paul is is prisoner. He's getting on a ship. And, and it says, the south wind was blowing softly. I like that. Have you ever had days when the south wind is blowing softly? I mean don't you love those days when the soft south wind is blowing? Usually that means good things. You know, you know if he said the north wind was whipping at you, you know, up here in Wisconsin we'd go, whoa, batting the hatches, you know, get on the the woolies and pull the scarves down, all that stuff. But here he says, you know, the south wind was blowing softly. Can I tell you what you do on those days? Enjoy those days. Enjoy those days. But know this, seasons change. Things aren't always the same. And, and it says here that the south wind was blowing softly this day, but as they set out to sea, things dr- radically, drastically changed. And the wind began to blow. It says it was a tempestuous wind. And, and it was blowing so hard they even gave a name to it. You, you read this and you tell me what name it is. It's not like Hurricane Fred. It's like Eucalyptus or something weird in there. But they named this this wind because it was so strong. You know, the weatherman says, oh, I think we're on E. Let's call it this. But anyway, that it was whipping this this ship and, and they were just they were they were in fear for their lives. They were at such a state that they were throwing things overboard. Anything they didn't need, they were cutting and loose, man, whatever. The only thing they had in in their focus is I want to live and not die. In the midst of this, this terrible storm, Paul stood up down in about verse, oh, where are we? About verse 20 or so. And and, and and well actually let me just say this. I'm getting ahead of myself, ain't I? If you were there in the first service, you know I did. Basically, in verse 20, it says this, that it was no small tempest that laid on them, and all hope that they would be saved was taken away from them. I mean, that's the pits, isn't it? You know, it's one thing to be in a storm, but when you've lost all hope that you're going to make it, I mean, that's, that's desperation. Well, in the midst of all this, all this storm, you know, of, of, of winds and howling winds and, and, you know, everything that comes with that, what can what saved him was one word from God. One word from God. Let me pop over to Ephesians six seventeen for a minute. Ephesians six seventeen. I used to confess this with the kids every day on the way to school. Put on the armor of God. But in Ephesians six verse seventeen it says, and and, and uh, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, in the Greek language, there's two words that are commonly used that we would in English translate as being the Word of God. One of them is called Logos. The other one is called Rhema. Logos, what that means is the, if you got the Greek definition, it means the whole Word of God. Okay? The whole Word. How many think the whole Word of God is good? I think it's good too. The other word that's used here, or that has been translated Word of God, is this word called Rhema. The Rhema word is not the whole Word of God, but it's a specific word that God speaks to you. It's when you're reading the word and it goes, wow. You know, for years, you, you know, I know that, that, that uh, before I, computers and all that were the, the rage, I used to have these typed out scripture sheets on healing. And if I recall right, there was like 17 pages, and I probably have them in my file, that someone had typed out on the topic of divine healing. And it was just every scripture verse and a bunch of different translations of, you know, what the Bible said about healing. And my practice for years, if, if I was feeling like sickness was coming on me or something, I'd, I'd whip out those 17 pages and, and I'd kind of read through them. Okay? If one of the kids was sick, you know, I, what I'd do is before I'd go to bed, I'd, I'd pull out my scriptures and I'd, I'd read through them. What was I doing? Was I trying to eat all 17 pages that were on there written about healing? No, you know what I did? I'd read through it and I'd look for one or maybe two that would stand out to me. One or two that would, you know, when you're in the middle of the storm, it's not effective to just stand on the logos of the word. When Paul wrote this letter in Ephesians chapter 6 and wrote verse 17, and he said, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, he didn't use the word logos. He used the word rhema. Because when you're in a fight, when you're in a storm, what you and I need is a word from God that we're going to stand on. So I'd, I'd go through those verses. One time, for instance, one time, I, it was when I was in Bible school. And, and I remember, I, it was right at the time of year that Rhema was the school I went to. Can you believe that? Rhema, huh? Anyway, with a, where Brother Hagan was doing this seminar. It was called a prayer seminar. And all week, Brother Hagan would teach morning and night on prayer. I had guests from out of town. It was actually Terry and Carrie Nelson and another couple that had come down and they stayed in my apartment in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And, and um, it was February. And, and they stayed at my apartment and, and I had to work though. I had a job. I worked 40 hours when I wasn't going to school. And, and so I have company at my house. And, and I've got this job I'm working. And I, got, I felt sickness come on me. You know what kind of sickness I had? Anybody want to know? It was the flu. The flu. Was, don't you hate the flu? The flu is from the devil. And 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 you know when you're entertaining guests, you're trying to be a host and you're trying to be nice. You know I work at being nice sometimes, and 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 you know I wanted Terry and Carrie and these other couple to have a good time. Dave Felix was one of the other people Dana would know that, and and so they're down there. And to to make everything more complex, in the middle of all this, the hot water went out in my apartment. And, 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 and thank God, you know, the people I know, they tried and everything, but, you know, they weren't famous for getting things fixed quick. And here I am, the pressure situation. Everybody's there. My friends are there. I want it to be nice for them. And, and then I'm going to work and going to school, and I'm fighting sickness. So what I do, on my break at work, I whip out my 17 pages of scriptures. And I start reading through them. Now I can't digest 17 pages of scripture. It would be like going to a buffet and trying to eat everything that's there. I can't. You know what you do when, when I go to a buffet? I walk around a while. I check. I, sometimes I look at what other people are eating. You know? But I look at what looks good. Then I look at what Dana's gonna eat. Because I don't want her eating something that's better than what I'm eating. <clears throat> So I walk around, and I smell, and I look, and I say, all right, I'm going to get this, this, and this. And I fill it up, and I go back, and I eat it. So what I did as I was going through those 17 pages is I'm, I'm just, I'm not mentally trying to figure it out, but I'm looking at which ones pop to me, which ones go, yeah. And, you know, as I was reading that night, I read this one in Exodus that I hardly ever, you know, had pop before, but it popped, and it said, you know, uh, uh, the Lord have brought you out of, I can't quote it, but he says, I brought you out of Egypt, and, and I blessed your bread, and I blessed your water, and I took sickness from the midst of you. And it's in Exodus. And so, you know, dealing with the flu, I said, well, thank you, Lord. This is what I did. I said, thank you, Lord. I read it out loud. I said, thank you, Lord. You take sickness from the midst of me. And I just start playing with it and saying it different ways. And, and I, all of a sudden, I saw that, and you bless my water. I said, glory to God, my water's blessed. You know, I, I went home that night. You know, I think I got off at midnight. I went home, and you know, my water was, was hot. I don't even know how that happened, but my water was fixed. And you know what? The flu was on the way out because I, was, I had a rame of word from God. I had a word that lit up on the inside of me. I had a word that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. I had a word that caused life to go to every part of my flesh. I tell you, sometimes you get a ram a word like that and your body is still being a stinker. It's still trying to hang on to some junk the devil tried to bring on you. But when that word gets on the inside of you, man, even when your body's yelling at you and telling you, you know, you're not healed, you're not healed, you go, I'm healed in Jesus' name. Because you got it in your heart. You got a Rhema word in your heart. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Whew. Acts 27. Back there again, I'm just, again, Paul, you know, stood up in the midst of all this this stuff that was going on, this storm that was, was, was you know, causing havoc, causing them to lose all hope. He stood up and, and he, he basically, in verse 21, I'll just read twenty. One, I guess it is. It says, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of the storm and said, Sir, as you should have hearkened to me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm or loss. You know, Paul had warned them before they even set sail. He said, I perceive that this voyage is going to be with much damage and, you know, possibly life, loss of life. But they didn't hearken to him. Can I tell you something? Sometimes I've missed it before. Sometimes I've done stupid things. And even gone off and, and, and done things and, and, like, scratching on the inside. Ah, I don't recommend that at all. But don't ever lose hope. Because even in this midst of the storm, when they disobeyed what Paul perceived before this, God still had mercy on them. There's still a plan. I guess what I'm telling you is this. No matter where you are in life, you can always stand up and do the will of God. Amen. You can always stand up right where you're at and achieve God's plans for you. Hallelujah. As long as you have breath on this earth, it's not too late. So he says, I exhort you to be of good cheer. I mean, that, what a weird thing to say. Here, a minute ago, they're all lost hope and they're despair. They're throwing anchors off, all whatever, you know. Probably through, you know, anything they didn't need, they're thrown overboard. And, and he says, hey, guys, be of good cheer. Let's get happy. Happy, happy, happy. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, only the ship. He said, There stood by me this night an angel of God, of whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given you all them that sail with thee. So, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. I believe God, it shall be even as it was told me. Now, you might not have an angel come before you and give you a word, but, but, but you know, Peter says, Man, I tell you what, you know, if you got a word from God, it's, it's greater than any word from an angel. All you need, you don't need an angel word, you need a God word. Even in the midst of a storm, you can be like Paul and say, cheer up, cheer up. How well do you think that was received? Do you think they, they had a good laugh with him? I don't know, but Paul, had it. Paul didn't care, man. He'd laugh at his own jokes. I love Paul. <laughs> All right. Let me just say this: logos and Rhema. I heard this from David Maloney a long time ago. Is that that in the in the military they have like a supply checkout place? What do they call that? They call it the supply checkout place. Okay, <laughs> and and uh, and and people would go there and they'd get supplies and they'd check them out, and and. Uh, All right, so they'd go there, and, and, and if someone was going into battle, you know, they had everything there. I mean, they had grenades and rifles and ammo and food. And, and, and something they had there was the army manual. The army manual tell you what to do in every situation, you know? Someone had written this thing out, gave you a gave you full scope of, of what you need to know in all these situations. But when somebody was going to go to battle, and they go to check out a supply they never check out the army manual. They check out an M16. Because even though you need the army manual, when you're going to fight, you don't fight with the army manual. You fight with the sword of the spirit. You fight with the M16 and and the ammo. Okay? That's right, Nick, right? Amen. So anyway, (laughs) you don't fight battles with the logos. You stand... With the rhema. That's how you win. Okay. All right. Getting revelation. I've just got some things that, 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 that I'm going to give you that will help us to, to get revelation. You know, we're talking about feeding our spirit. We're talking about, you know, putting ourselves in position to grow, putting ourselves into a, a place of victory. You know, getting that strong spirit, being immovable, unshakable, all that. So, one one great tool, one thing we need is revelation. How do you get this? Well, number one, hunger for it. Hunger for it. Jesus said, you know, you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. Hunger for it. Hunger for revelation. Hunger for the word. You know, be like Job, where you esteem that word, you know, more necessary than food. Okay? Say, well, I'm not hungry. Well, two things I'd say is, first of all, when sometimes I've had things in my life that I haven't been hungry for, you know, even sometimes good things. You know that if you go without something long enough, you'll lose a hunger for it? Did you know that? I mean, I've had different things in life that I've, uh, one thing was sugar. You know, I've given up sugar before, and I don't eat a lot of sugar now, but I, I do indulge in a few things. But there was a time I just didn't eat sugar at all. And at first, it was like, man, everywhere I looked, I saw sugar, and I wanted sugar, you know? You know what I mean? When you can't have it, oh, I want it. I'd see a billboard, or I'd drive by Legacy Chocolate, or I'd drive by, you know, oh, it was just everywhere. It was, like, it was like it was amplified, you know, everywhere. My goodness. Dana, I want sugar. I'm shaking. Give me some sugar. Oh, no, you know? <laughs> But then you go a little while and you, you get past that and you don't even care about sugar. Seriously. Is that possible? It is. But you know how you get a love for sugar again? Start eating it. You start eating it again. You go have the triple berry pie. Or you you know, you 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 eat a snicker bar or something like that. Milky Way, dark milk, dark chocolate Milky Way. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Anyway, yeah, yeah. all right, everybody's going to get mad dash for Super America, yeah. <laughs> quick trip, yeah, quick trip, yeah, and use your cards. All right. <laughs> so you're not hungry, start eating anyway. Start eating anyway. Second thing I'd tell you is this, because if you start eating it, you'll develop a hunger for it, and it'll, it'll grow on you, <laughs> just like sugar does. Anyway, but the other thing is, is, is ask for it. Pray for it. Uh, Jesus said this, number two, he said uh, in Matthew 7, he said, uh, ask and you shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be opened. Yeah, you know, what's wrong with just saying, Lord, help me, help me, make me hungry. Make me hungry for the word. I want revelation, I want a desire stirred up in me to want more of you. You see, it's that hungry stuff, man, that just draws. It draws on, on heavenly things. And hungering after it, man, you're going to get filled. You're going to get filled. Thirdly, I'll say this, is, is stay teachable. In James one twenty one, it said this, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, bear in mind when James wrote this, James was a pastor. He's teaching believers. He wasn't telling them how to get saved. He's telling them how to, how to cause their spirit to rise up and, and, and be in dominance in them over their souls. Do you know your soul needs saving after you get born again? Because your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul is not the real you, you know? Your spirit's the real you. Souls need to be saved. How do they get saved? How do they get put in line and you know, come under, you know, submission to your spirit. Well, James says, receive with meekness the engrafted word. It has in it the ability to save your soul. Sure. Meekness. Meekness is a great word. It just means being teachable. You know, you know who has a really hard time learning anything? is somebody who knows it all. <laughs> you know, you can't teach someone who knows it all anything new because they already know. So it's really important as believers that we never let ourselves have this attitude that we know it all, okay? Uh, he who thinks they know it all, they know nothing as they ought, it says. Paul said that, and, and, and the apostle Paul said that. But uh, James, James said this. He says, the word received with meekness is able to save your soul. I like to say this, that meekness is like the doorstop that goes on the door of your will that lets things into you that you don't think you need, all right? All right. All right, it's good. Think about that a while. All right, number four, spend time fellowship, fellowshipping with God around his word. Spend time fellowshipping. How do you get revelation? Well, spend time with God fellowshipping around his word. Don't ever let the word, being in the word, be a drudgery. Have the mental attitude, I'm going to hang out with God. Make yourself an appointment to go spend time with God. Have a date. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, in the, in the office. It could be down by a river or something. Or it could be by Lake Manoman, you know, in, in June. <laughs> in, in, in August, go to Caribou Coffee or something like that, okay? You know, but, but uh, hmm, spend time fellowshipping with God around His Word. Talk to Him about His Word. As you're, as you're meditating in the Word Let it be a conversation with God, you know, about what he said, you know, because this will get it in you. This will help give you revelation. I'll end with this in Luke 4. Jesus, um, in 4, verse 16, Jesus came to his own hometown, Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Isn't that nice to know that Jesus' custom was he grew up, he went to church on, on the Sabbath day. And he stood up for to read, and there was delivered on him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he'd opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, now, underline that in your Bible. He found the place where it was written. He goes on, and he begins to quote Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he you know, sent me to deliver the captives, to you know, set them free. I'm not going to quote it. But he delivers this word from Isaiah, and then he closes the book and sits down, and they're all in awe because he spoke with authority. And they said, man, isn't this Joseph's gift? This, this, this day, this scripture's fulfilled in, in our ears. And, and who was this guy that said this? You know, here's the whole deal, is Jesus opened up here in Isaiah, and he began to read, and what he did is he found himself in the word. What's really important is that you always find yourself in the word. How do you get revelation? Well, find yourself in the word look for yourself in there find yourself in there you and i are in that book find out what god says about you don't read it like a comic book you know it's marvel marvel oh no no it's the bible it's talking about you it's talking about me lord what do you have to say to me today show me i want to find my, i want to get lost in you and find myself in this word hallelujah we're gonna... Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.